Hello and welcome to The Nerd Degree. It's me, Brendan Bennett. And me, Karen Healy. Hello. Karen, you are the host of this episode. Yes, of Communication Breakdown, our wonderful episode about how we communicate with each other and with aliens. Oh, awesome. Awesome indeed. Um, while we're here, I just want to mention that we have our video episodes up on YouTube. You can find the link on our Facebook page. Uh, while you're there, why don't you like the Facebook page? It's, we, it's, it's right there. We, we like the Facebook page. Yeah. So uh, we are communicating out to you. Welcome to the show, and I hope you enjoy it. Oh, nice connection. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome your nerds. <laughs> Welcome, thrice welcome to The Nerd Degree. I am your host, Karen Healy, and today we will be discussing communication, where we condense fact from the vapour of nuance and tell each other what we're really thinking. Welcome to Communication Breakdown. Today I have two fabulous teams of nerds. I would like them to introduce themselves and tell us the message that were time travel invented, they would tell their younger selves, starting with Ms. Harrington. Uh, my name is Erin Harrington, um, and I'd say don't eat the shrimp. Um, no, no, that was just a joke. Uh, I would, <laughs> which you would also tell your younger self. <laughs> no, what, what I'd say to my younger self, specifically my my eighteen, nineteen year old self, is if you failed first year calculus the first time round because it was on four times a week at eight in the morning, don't enrol for it for a second. Year. <laughs> Wise advice for all of us. Hi, I'm Laura. Um, I would go back a lot further than 19. I'd go back to my, my first few days of weeks, months of pocket money and tell myself just to enjoy the uh, 50 cent mixture. Well, you actually got a decent amount of lollies for the 50 cents. <laughs> it's very important to appreciate things when you have them. And what's your team name? Uh, it is Teamy McTeam Face. <laughs> that certainly communicates the essence of your team. Teamy McTeam Face. Thank you very much. Um, and to my left, I have Mr. Bennett. My name is Brendan Bennett, and if I could communicate to my younger self, I would say, Brendan, I know you want to, but don't open the packaging on that hand solo action figure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, just keep it. Don't, don't play with it. Um, it's worth so much now. <laughs> Did you, did, do, you, so do you, like, wander around some of the auction sites and see just how much? It's a lot. Ooh. <laughs> uh, my... <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. It is a lot. Um, my name's Ben Allen. Uh, if I go back in time, when I was in intermediate school, uh, there was a girl uh, at my school that everybody made fun of because children are terrible. And she had, just because she had quite bad acne on her face, and went to the school dance... And nobody was dancing with her, and a group of girls came up and said, Hey, Ben, Rachel feels really bad when you dance with her. And because I was a 12-year-old dick, and I wanted to maintain my social standing, Which I, was, was I was like, yeah, I know. I was a, I was a, I was a 12-year-old dick. He was, he was one of the cool... No, I wasn't. I wasn't even. I wasn't even. And so I was like, I said no, and I felt bad about it for the rest of my life. Oh. Yeah, I like so, it. Turned out to be Rachel McAdams. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd, I'd slap that 12 year old me upside the head. I'm not sure that violence to children is something that no, I it can is. endorse. It is. <laughs> uh, and what's your team name? Our team name is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Unfinished Joke About Carrier Pigeons. Yes. <laughs> so tonight I have Timmy McTee Face. And unfinished joke about carrier pigeons. This is going to be a great show. Uh, <laughs> nerds, roll for initiative. 
18. 17. Oh! oh. oh. All right. They were practicing, though. Unfinished. <laughs> Unfinished joke about carrier pigeons. Um, you are going to be first up for our first round, which is the nerd quotient, where I will test these nerds through the medium of speech, uh, specifically question and answer. This is good, and this worked well for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Very verbal. Um, all of these questions have something to do with communication. So, unfinished joke about carrier pigeons. Two months ago, astronomers picked up and then pinpointed a location of a weird burst of radio waves from space. Who was calling, calling down the line? <laughs> like who? Mm. I think if it was an actual who, we'd probably know about it by now. Would we? Would deal, we really? It? Yeah, it was. Um, it was the. Um, the old, uh, the old, going higher is not answer. I mean, going higher was the answer, right? Because it was high up, high up in the sky. When they pinpoint, it didn't turn out to be something that was just bouncing off a satellite or something embarrassing like that. Like they, they got no, that's a and, good guess. All right, over here, what do you guys was reckon? It that that thing that I don't have the terminology for because I can't communicate in science, whereby. Um, they found that that thing that might be a giant star surrounded by a giant magic made up Lego thing. Oh, the alien mega sphere. Yeah, the alien mega sphere. Dyson Sphere. Oh, the Dyson Sphere. Yes, yeah. another good guess, but no. As opposed to the celestial Dyson vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> Sucks harder than anything. Uh, no, not quite. Except Although. Trump. So we've got satellite in space and and giant star thing. Neither of which are correct, but both of which are at least bodies in space, so that's pretty great. So for the last nine years, astronomers have uh, noted pulses of radio waves that are sent from somewhere out there, and these fast radio bursts, or FRBs for short, uh, just last milliseconds, and they don't pick them up in real time. They only know that they've happened after they've happened, so it's really hard to figure out where they come from, uh, other than it's probably a galaxy far, far away. Uh, so it's more or less as if the cosmos is tapping us on one shoulder and then running around to the other side so that we look over and can't see. So is it like when, like in my car, if I put the keys in <laughs> but leave the door open and the car's off, it goes bing, bing, More or less bing. like that, except completely but, not like that. But in, <laughs> wait, 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 but in space. So you're, you're just asking this question... In the hope that one no, of the four of us it. has we... made a scientific breakthrough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me show you my this research. One, this one is not actually a fast radio burst because uh, the astronomers trained the very large array. I love these names. Fast radio burst, very large array of telescopes at it. And it turns out it is a supermassive black hole from a galaxy six billion light years away. Oh, but away. it's such a bad song. Oh, it's terrible. It's just spewing out bursts of radio waves. Yeah, much like news. Yeah. It's, more or le- it's more or less the news talk ZB of space. <laughs> no points! We're going to get sued. Okay. <laughs> Why should be Shakespeare uh, worry about a challenge from Sheer Horowitz? Who's Sheer Horowitz? Yeah, she is... What? Who's Sheer Horowitz? Sheer Horowitz from Clueless. Whatever. I'll give you a clue. Uh, yes, played by Alicia Silverstone. Uh, Shakespeare is known as the great disruptor of the English language. Oh, because the the teen language in the late nineties, um, like surfing the crimson wave, as a particularly beautiful metaphor for uh, menstruation, for instance, um, is that they're talking about teen girls being voice disruptors and about changing the language more rapidly than anyone else around them. That is five points yeah. for Team Mimic Team Face. 
But Shakespeare shouldn't worry because Clueless is based on Jane Austen, isn't it? So uh, Shakespeare should worry right. because Shakespeare gets the credit for being the great disruptor of the English language. But he probably wasn't. Not from me. Not from you. <laughs> Although this also, could give rise dead. to a new, a new theory about who Shakespeare was, though. It's true. Right? Shakespeare's if sister. We... <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shakespeare's teen man. sister, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Shakespeare gets credit for inventing nearly 1,700 new words, but they probably weren't actually new. He probably just wrote them down from the people that he was hearing them from. He had a big vocabulary, but not a particularly... He just hung out with a lot of teen girls. Yeah, he hung out with a lot of teen girls. <laughs> that's consuming. Uh, and, and that's where, <laughs> where Romeo and Juliet comes from. They, they all turned out to be young boys in dresses, though. Yeah. <laughs> But the true language disruptors, the people who change vocabulary, pitch, vowel sounds and so on, are young women. Um, it, that's been true for, uh, observably true for at least 25 years since sociolinguistics leader William Labov observed that women lead 90% of linguistic change and that continues today, including recent changes such as the quotative like, that's the one where you're like, she said this thing, and the much maligned vocal fry. Uh, and it's also historically true. Young women writing letters to each other are responsible for... Uh, out of All of the world's wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we tend to blame those on women, don't we? Um, and 11 out of the 14 uh, sort of most significant language changes uh, between 1417 and 1681, female letter writers were doing all of it. When was the word feels popular on the internet for I have a lot of feels first noted? So... When was it first popular on the internet? No, no. When, uh, so it's popular on the internet, mm. the word feels. I have a lot of feels. Where, where does it come from? Samuel no, Pepys. No, that's nice, though. Octopus Conversations. <laughs> <laughs> Georgiana, Duchess of Cavendish, uh, wrote a letter to her mother where she said, I am much beset by feels. <laughs> what did her mother say? Like, pull your socks up. Yeah. <laughs> Was, she actually, the, she it was actually a typo. She was actually much beset by eels. Just <laughs> <laughs> kind of all around it. The eels she are a baby. Hardly writing a letter. <laughs> <laughs> on fire! Nice. When's the last time any of you wrote a letter? Ooh. Like one that goes through the post, not not the flag thing. Oh, I I, I posted something on like last week. Was it a bill? Like, was it a letter? Uh, it had. Um, a postcard that I had written inside a package that was a book that I put in a post envelope and then put in a mailbag. Wow. wow. That's amazing. Four points to Laura. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> you are supporting New Zealand Post. What does a New Zealand stamp cost now? I bought a courier bag. <laughs> I don't know. It just has like a, a picture of a road sign and a it's kiwi it's on it. It's up to a dollar yeah, or something. They've taken, the, they've taken the price off. Oh, really? Well, I haven't bought one in about seven years. So I only buy them from know. the receptionist at work. <laughs> so You're getting black market stamps. Yep. <laughs> Super all stuck in me? Well, like this. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say a dollar or something is probably the closest to true um, and, and give you a point for that unfinished joke about carrier pigeons. Um, Can we also have a point for our unfinished joke about carrier pigeons? <laughs> no, it's oh. unfinished. Unfinished joke about carrier pigeons. What's the oldest message in a bottle? That sting song. <laughs> Dates back to about 1985. This is considerably earlier than oh. that. Um, I believe it said, hey guys, I just invented the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and threw it in the ocean. Check this out. <laughs> Uh, Look how good it is at holding messages. <laughs> was it some kind of Mesopotamian tablet that had been stuck inside an urn and like yeah. thrown off a ship? Oh, we're thinking a little a bit closer. A than message that. in an amphora. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're thinking somewhere between ten thousand years ago and now. now. <laughs> <laughs> the seventies. Audience knows. Yeah, go on. There's mutterings from the audience. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. So um, in April 2015, 101 That's quite years, recent. It is quite recent. 101 years after it was tossed into the oh. sea, a postcard from 1913 was found by a Baltic Sea fisherman. It had just been circulating around there. Um, most of it was still legible. So anybody can ring in on this one. What does a message in a bottle have to do with those damn dirty apes? It is the only way that Charlton Heston will communicate with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. I believe he also uh, communicates with shotguns and, and Morse code. <laughs> his guns do the talking. Mm-hmm. I still don't do a lot of talking anymore. As, as part of the increasingly interesting um, tool use that we see amongst apes, Writing letters and putting them inside <laughs> other things, inside other things, inside bottles with stamps that you got from your secretary. <laughs> it's a Mobius strip. No. Is it uh, monkeys cannot uh, solve the how to get your hands, how to get the treat at the bottom of a bottle problem because they haven't worked out how to do that and instead they try to put their hands in and they're like, ah, and then it's like humans are like, whoa. They should like join forces with octopuses and then we'd all be dead. They'd have one opening the jar, the other scooping it out yeah. and then the monkeys dashing the, up It's the, the only thing holding them back, isn't it? <laughs> Getting stuff out of bottles. <laughs> that holds me back frequently. <laughs> Um, no, although I do like the, uh, the, the, the monkeys. This is an, an actual monkey intelligence test, is to see if they can figure out that if you turn the container over, they can get the nuts out of it without them being clutched in their, their lovely monkey hands. Um, no, uh, Pierre Bull's sci-fi novel, which is translated in English as Planet of the Apes, contains a frame story of a sophisticated, fun-loving couple who go space sailing in their space sail ship and rescue and translate a manuscript from a floating space message bottle. <laughs> do, you want, do you want to know what sucks? Is that I bought a second-hand copy of that to reread like a week and a half ago. Oh, that <laughs> does suck. Uh, spoiler alert. Minus one point for not oh, reading so it <laughs> So the idea is uh, someone wrote a message, put it in a bottle, and then... Threw it all the way into space. That is correct, because Pierre Bull doesn't understand space. Um, we can forgive him for that. So the manuscript within it is the story of someone who travelled to the planet of the apes and wants to warn humans on Earth of the horrifying consequences of uh, sort of en- en- enabling uh, monkey power. But the couple completely discount the account and destroy the manuscript. Why? Because they're dicks. Because they're, because they're apes. They are. They are sophisticated <laughs> chimpanzees who do not believe for a second that they could have any common ancestry with dirty humans. <laughs> it was Earth all along. Hey, two points. So speaking of messages in space bottles. <laughs> that was, that was a work. very suggestive <laughs> one, Karen. Was it? Wasn't meant to be. Now it's now it is. Now it is. <laughs> it's called Other Messages in Space Bottles. <laughs> Uh, so speaking of space messages and space bottles. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's space messages now. <laughs> okay, so who said this and where is it currently? This is a present from a small distant world. We are attempting to survive our time so we may live into yours. We hope someday, having solved the problems we face, to join a community of galactic... Is it the bonus track off of um, William Shatner's 1967 album, The Transformed Man? No, but that's wonderful. It is on an album. Is it the, is it so the, bonus, is it the bonus track from that golden record that they put on the Voyager? It is the oh golden God. record. Is it Carl Voyager? Sagan? No, it's he's not saying that. Is it? Think Charles about this. Heston. The Americans put a record in space. Who are they going to get to? Was it Kennedy? No, he was, was dead. Was it Reagan? No. When he was a little kid? No. It was Jimmy Carter. On the Voyager Golden Record, but uh, 
definitely five points to unfinished joke about carrier pigeons. Uh, so it's on both Voyager spacecraft. Voyager one is currently over. How, you know how far away do you reckon it is? Oh, ages, ages. <laughs> yes, very accurate. To, to within a billion kilometres. How far away do you reckon it is? Hmm, billion. Eighteen hundred and thirty-five point six. Billion kilometres. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Sure. Um, so Voyager 1 is currently over 20 billion kilometres away in interstellar space. Oh. And I complain about a 10-minute walk to the supermarket. <laughs> so uh, there's other stuff on that record. So it's it's a record that's trying to represent Earth. What else? I've got a list of the things that are on there. Tell me some things you there's think like- on that record. Oh, is this like that plate that goes along with the record or just the record? Just the record. There's, What's on is, the record? Is there some bark or something? There's some music. There's some music? There's like a bunch of stuff about DNA. There's pictures of like men and women next to it. There's a whole bunch of stuff about reproduction. List of so all far of our, you have got music. List of all of our defences. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, the vulnerabilities on the human form. Think about the sounds that would best represent Earth. So we've got music. Whale song. Yes. Yep, so one point for music, one point uh, for our song. Oh, is Water. it like the equivalent of one of those terrible um, atmospheric music CDs that you get in um, like hippie crystal shops? Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. like crashing pan, pan flute, a lot of pan, pan flute. flute. In oh, fact, yeah. that is entirely correct. <laughs> <laughs> it features a variety of natural sounds, such as those made by surf, wind and thunder, and animal sounds, including the songs of birds and whales. Oh, earth, wind and fire. Yes. <laughs> there are also spoken greetings in 59 languages, and some of them are quite cool. So uh, the Mandarin message translated into English uh, means, How's everyone? We all very much wish to meet you. If you're free, please come and visit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but call ahead. <laughs> uh, the reason I, like... I say about the, the pictures of men and women is that those amazing images by um, Lennart Nelson, the Swedish photographer who took photographs of the fetus mm. developing mm. inside, some of those are up with Voyager mm-hmm. as well. Yes, yeah. yep. And, Fun um, fact. <laughs> Of course, out of protest by the fact that the kind of the genitalia is censored mm-hmm. out of them, uh, an artist sent into space the sounds of ballerinas' vaginal vaginas. contractions. That's oh, true. That's, oh, that's yes, really that's from fun. an earlier round of the nerd degree. So that's real deep cut for nerd degree listeners. <laughs> um, so the I, I, my my personal favourite on the list is is not very sort of friendly at all. It's the ancient Greek, which is. Pretty useless. But the ancient Greek <laughs> message to As space. a language, it's just, just a bit useless. <laughs> Greetings to you, whoever you are. We come in friendship to those who are friends. Is, um, <laughs> is there like big butt spice who mix a lot? <laughs> <laughs> a it's one. a little before his time. Right. Yeah. What would you guys say to an alien species? You don't kill me, I don't kill you. <laughs> I think I'm just going with no thanks. <laughs> It's a tricky question, isn't it? I'd be open to a lot of possibilities. Uh, Something like Mars. Mars is vulnerable. (laughs) (laughs) I hear they have all the resources. (laughs) Those are cynics. Amazing. No peace, love here. All right, Jeff, can I please have a score update? Absolutely. Unfinished joke about carrier pigeons are currently on seven points, and Teamy McTeamface are on 12 points. Yeah. 
All right. Our next round is on uh, the inventions of uh, technological communication devices. So multiple artists, writers and directors have dreamed up devices, communication devices, before the inventors got their greasy fingers dirty. Uh, some vehicle examples are the submarine, which was first described by Jules Verne, and the space shuttle, which was first described by Robert Heinlein. Uh, I have here a list of fictional communication devices. Jeff, who's bringing us this round? This round is brought to you by Morse code. Not just for old people and military enthusiasts. Oh, sorry. Yes, um, just for old people and military enthusiasts. <laughs> mean. I would, I would respond with a, a burn in Morse code, except I don't know any. All I have to say to you is dash dot 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 dash. Dash dash. That's awful, Jeff. <laughs> it was bum. Ooh, <laughs> saucy. We're going blue tonight. Okay, so um, nerds, uh, ding in. If you can uh, tell me who came up with it, and a bonus point if you can say what text it appeared in. All right, so the Babel fish. Yes. Douglas Adams mm-hmm. came up with that in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. What does it do? Uh, trans- you put the fish in your ear and it translates languages <laughs> that you hear into the language that you speak. Yes. How does it do the translation, Lena? Ooh, biology. It is, it is in <laughs> fact, biological. It poops language <laughs> into your brain. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of techno babble here, but basically it poops language and into Google, your brain. Did they pay license fee? Because their mm-hmm. translation mm-hmm. thing was called Babelfish. Babelfish oh. for a long time. It was indeed. Alright, so five points to Unfinished Joke About Carrier Pigeons. Okay, next one, Dingan, if you know it, The Comlink. Mm-hmm. Is it uh, Star Trek? No. no. Throwing it over. Oh, too late. No, no, Ben can have a go. Ben can have a go. <laughs> I think he's the wrong... It's Star Wars. It is Star Wars. <laughs> oh. So George Lucas came out with it. Yeah, what does it do? Uh, it's, it's basically a walkie-talkie. It <laughs> yeah, it links people with communication. C-3PO carries one around half the time of Star Wars. Yep. Shut down all the detention... Uh, the garbage meshes on the detention level. That's right. Uh, according to Wikipedia.com. <laughs> the Galactic Empire, I love this thing. The Galactic Empire empl- um, employed the C1 personal comlink manufactured by the Soro Soup Corporation. They also make Luke's lens better. I knew that Ben would have. <laughs> <laughs> extra point for Ben for being such a nerd. Hey, how come he gets an extra point for being a nerd and I get not a point for buying a book I wanted to reread because it was so You've awesome. got points because taken I'm off in us. charge. <laughs> All right. <laughs> The networked telephone answering machine. Oh, and the TAF. <laughs> Who do you reckon might have come up with this one? Fictional property. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's old-timey, if it that It wasn't helps. Aldous Huxley. It Old, wasn't. Um, is it, where are we talking literature? We're, We're talking, talking literature. Old, yep. Is it like 1984? Is it something that Jules Verne wrote? Close, but no, same kind of time period. H.G. Wells. Yes, correct, H.G. Ah. Wells. From Men Like Gods in 1923. So you get a point for time period. Yeah, yeah. I get a point for trying. Yeah, and, and <laughs> uh, Brendan gets two for accuracy. H.G. Wells. <laughs> <laughs> um, he also invented wargaming. Yes. So nerds, yes. Yeah, nerds have a great debt to H.G. Wells. We have a great, de- great debt to H.G. Wells. In Utopia, except by previous arrangement, people do not talk together on the telephone. A message is sent to the station of the district in which the recipient is known to be, and there it waits until he chooses to tap his accumulated messages. Then he talks back to the senders and dispatches any other messages he wishes. So it's basically talk texting 
and I think he might have been an introvert. But did he also in, <laughs> did he also invent the out of office automatic? Because <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing. That would have been great. No, I don't think so. But when do you think the actual answering machine was invented? Hmm. Was it a friend of Thomas Edison's who just like hung around? Uh, and then Edison stole from him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so according to techno- technology, no, that's still not right. Technology. which was extremely helpful when I was accumulating this list. Uh, The first telephone answering machine was probably created by Danish inventor Valdemar Poulsen. Voldemort? Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) He modified his telegrapher phone to answer the phone automatically and record a message in 1898. Wow. Wow. And they they still use them, but only in, like... Movies and, and TV my shows. My mum's house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, wonder what, I wonder what his answering machine message was in 1898. It would be like, I can't come to the phone right now because I have consumption. <laughs> it would, I think it would have to start with, yeah. okay, don't freak out. <laughs> You're not actually yes. talking to a person. <laughs> please, please stop crawling your priest. <laughs> Dang it, if you know it, the Ansible. What's that? Mm. That's in a bunch of things, I think. But it is, is it is it in uh, it's in um, thingy about altered carbon? I think is it an altered carbon? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> altered the carbon. Sci-fi, the sci-fi book. Um, it, it probably is in that, but that's not the uh, original. Not the first one. No. Jules Verne. No. H.G. Wells. No. Think ladies. Science fiction ladies. Uh, Frankenstein. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, no, I think you mean Mary Shelley. Shelley. <laughs> yeah, but the it wasn't invented in the book Mary Shelley. <laughs> Thank you, Bobby. Um, the tax accountants of Pern. Um, uh, yeah. Anne McCaffrey. Anne McCaffrey. <laughs> no, although Anne McCaffrey did invent a faster-than-light communications oh. device that revolved around crystals and being able to sing to them. So people with purple, uh, people with purple, perfect pitch were able to tune those. Did uh, you no. Ursula Guin. Ursula Le Guin. But you took way too long. Many books. Yeah. So the Ansible is for faster than light communication. Ursula Le Guin uh, came up with it. It was com- It's commonly attributed to her awesome book, which is Space Communism versus Space Capitalism, called The Dispossessed. But uh, it actually turned up in the earlier story, Rokinen's World, but the idea that you can have a device that's, that's faster than light communication is, is pretty important for any sort of space-faring empire. So lots of other science fiction writers promptly stole the term mm. for use in their own works. Dang it, if you can name any of them. Yes. Altered Carbon. That's not a person's <laughs> name. <laughs> Heinlein, he stole everything. Uh, no, not this one, apparently. Oh, yeah. Cool. Uh, oh, they have them in Battlestar Galactica. Do they? Is that a book? Yep. Yes. All right. I'm going to say you get a point for bluffing. Um, so some of them are I'm, awesome. I'm not on board with this point. So. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I got it. I haven't Joe, got around um, to reading it yet. <laughs> Joe, Joe Holderman was an uh, old man uh, thingy, old man forever war. Ah, uh, you know what? There are a lot of books. There are a lot of books in the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so some of them are Orson Scott Card, Dan Simmons, Kim Stanley Robinson, Elizabeth Moon, uh, Werner Vang, Vinge, Vang, I've never been able to pronounce his. Ian, Ian M. Banks, does he do that? Or, or does he just come up with his own ideas? He probably comes up with his own great. ideas. Uh, and also it's got, important to know that in Orson Scott Card's vision, uh, the fast and light communication doesn't work for gay people. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> or Catholics. Jeff, mm. <laughs> can we have a score update, please? Absolutely. Teeny McTeamface are currently on 13 points. 
Whereas unfinished joke about carrier pigeons are now on 20. Ooh. All right, Team Mick, Team Face, it's, it's my turn to be unfair in your direction. Oh. Um, this... yeah. <laughs> yeah, finally. <laughs> this uh, round is called Tag Please. As you may or may not know, listeners, fanfic authors use abbreviated tags or uh, acronyms to signal, communicate that certain content can be found within their fiction, the most famous of which is probably the slash symbol to separate two characters' names uh, to designate that those characters are shortly going to get it on. Uh, Does anyone know where that comes from? What did you say? (laughs) (laughs) They got muddled in my mouth just like a cock. I mean, you got straight to the point, that's for sure. (laughs) No messing around. As does Spock. (laughs) Erin gets a point. She was getting there. Yeah. Um, So some of those texts have entered popular lexicons. So AU for alternate universe or UST for unresolved sexual tension. You say popular lexicon. <laughs> popular nerd lexicon. Nerds, ring in if you can give me a definition. Carrier pigeons. What is H slash C? H slash C. Home and castle. I like it. Not true. It's, it's, it's like, it's when different abodes have sex with each other. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, like, what if... Hogwarts had sex with Pro, uh, Professor X's academy. Is, is I'm it, sure someone's written that. Is it highly combustible, which is the result of the friction? <laughs> Home and castle slash. Hmm. Do you guys want to have a go? A real go? There was a real go. Oh, okay. <laughs> it stands for hurt comfort, where oh. in appearing somebody's very sad and somebody will cheer them up in the best possible way. Okay, so, <laughs> so just slash again. <laughs> Flavors. All right, so uh, TV McTeam face. What does OT3 mean? Well, OTP is one true pairing, so is this one true threesome? It's absolutely correct. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yep. <laughs> this guy. Three points for reasons. All right, uh, carrier pigeons, PWP. Um, Ponies with penises (laughs) As opposed to Well that's just bronies Isn't it? Power Rangers wearing pants (laughs) Hot (laughs) I mean that's that's just some of the fiction I've been working on (laughs) I will give you a clue The first word is porn Porn Watch porn. <laughs> porn. Porn watching other porn. Yeah. What would, what would porn, porn think if it was watching porn? Is it porn, porn for watching with your Watch partner? Porn. Oh, porn with partner. I like that. That'd be nice. No, That's not inclusive. true. Uh, no, it's, it stands for porn without plot. So porn. So porn. <laughs> hey, those sewer workers are working really hard to get those pipes plumbed. All right. <laughs> Mario. <laughs> Mario. Team big team face. What is E W E? You. Um. It's a sheep. It's a female sheep. Look, not all fan fiction is about porn. Just ninety-five percent of mm-hmm. fan fiction. In fact, this one is a is a not necessarily porn. But could be porn. It could be if you wanted it to be, but usually um, not. Does the W stand for with? No, it stands for what, and it was very, very popular after the seventh Harry Potter book came out. You made oh. this harder, Erin. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> um, everything what eventuated. Ooh, what, actually. Everything but with glottal stop. Everything what eventuated. <laughs> <laughs> for actually coming pretty close to it. Uh, it stands for epilogue. What epilogue? <laughs> because uh, Harry Potter fans were not impressed by everyone getting peered off and having babies and giving them ridiculous names and sending them off to Hogwarts and instead came up with stirring adventures, which may or may not have involved porn, for the Hogwarts <laughs> well, kids. they're consenting after. adults. Some of it is going to involve porn. Yeah. Hope so, yeah. We're all pretty cool. All right, so this is actually a message that turns up in... It's, it's a message to readers... Mm-hmm. R and R. Is, aren't, they, aren't these all messages to readers? Yeah, kind of. This one's like a, di- a command, actually. It's an imperative. Like, stop running so much fan oh. fiction and go outside for rest and recreation. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like read and respond? Or Correct. Read and yes, indeed. Yes. Read and review is a command uh, found quite often in uh, particularly new fanfic uh, authors who really want someone to love them. Um, as, as do we all, really. Um, all right. So do they mostly come under the PWP ones? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Or they're fluff. Okay. So that's, that's lovely. Or curtain fic, which is about the characters doing domestic things like buying curtains. <laughs> I, I love, that I heard this great thing. phrase the other day about, you know, how people just kind of find partners who are right for them and that there's a, there's a lid for every pot. And that's kind of what happens in this, this fan fiction. There's a fan fiction for every reader. That is very true and very <laughs> sweet. It's, like, it's like the nice Rule 34 version of fan fiction. LFEP. And here's the nasty Rule 34 version. <laughs> <laughs> what does ABO mean? Anything but... Oral. Oral. This is, uh, this is one for conventions. It's, attention! Body odour. <laughs> About bleeding orifices. <laughs> Frequently, but not in the actual acronym. No, it stands for Alpha, Beta, Omega, and it refers to an incredibly popular subset of fic that goes across many canons uh, where the characters are in an alternate universe where everyone is born an Alpha, a Beta, or an Omega, and the Omegas go into heat and need to be serviced. So it's not some weird men's right activist type thing. Oh, you know, Rule 34 probably applies, but <laughs> has hopefully been, has not. Has been men's right activist slash fiction? <laughs> There's gotta be. <laughs> Actually, that, that reminds me, Karen. How many of these takes have you used in your writing? Um, I have used OT3 and EWE. Don't pretend you're thinking about it. <laughs> What, right. is the, what is the one true th- threesome as opposed to the one, the one, you know, false threesome? Like, is it like? <laughs> what, what, this like, is no casual threesome. No, is it what, like? Well, what, they're together forever. They're a true threesome. Oh, a true threesome yeah. as opposed to a casual, tawdry yeah. threesome. Yeah, <laughs> a casual, enjoyable threesome. Maybe I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in these people's lives. All right. So, uh, what have we got for scores, Jeffrey? Right, well, unfinished joke about carrier pigeons have risen slightly to 23, but Teamy McTeamface have surged ahead to 20 points. (laughs) (laughs) I did bad math. Lovely, Jeff. Thank you so much. (laughs) That was a twist. For everyone involved. <laughs> I feel there was a breakdown in communication. A little bit. Yeah. All right, so we, we are moving on to our final round, which is our debate round. You, the audience, will decide. 
Um, our moot is widespread telepathy would benefit humanity. Teeny McTeam face, uh, as you are surging from behind. <laughs> what's the what's the tag? Or as we say in the fanfic community, SFB. <laughs> You, <laughs> you can decide whether you would like to be affirmative or negative. Um, up to you, Laura. Oh, we're going to go with yes, it would be. All right. Okay. So, carrier pigeons, <laughs> unfinished joke about carrier pigeons. You are going to be the negative. Widespread telepathy would benefit humanity. Let me just set up my timepiece here. Mood music. Ding, 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 ding. ding. All right. So this you... round is brought to you by <laughs> Rosetta Brand Medical Marijuana. You'll understand everything, man. <laughs> nice. All right, so as we start our debate, uh, you get 60 minutes to make your points. 60 minutes? minutes. 60 seconds. Matt's not so easy now, is it? <laughs> 60 seconds to make your points, 30 seconds rebuttal, and 10 second final statement. All right. So widespread telepathy would benefit humanity. The affirmative may begin. Okay. I just want to start by saying that when we say that it might benefit humanity, we don't mean it might benefit individual people. We mean it will benefit us as a whole, even if it does in fact lead to a dystopian future, because humanity will still prevail. It'll just keep ticking along because of our telepathy. <laughs> but it will also benefit individuals, I would imagine. Okay, sure. And that. <laughs> so we can look at it from both angles there, because I think Some definitely individuals, yeah. <laughs> individuals like myself would uh, would find nefarious uses for that. Yes, but well, what sort of nefarious uses, Laura? Well, actually, I, I mean, I think um, a lot of the benefits could be seen not in that context. Could actually benefit. I think you would have far more rapid communication, so things could be solved or. You, you'll know immediately quickly. on that Tinder date whether or not you're in. <laughs> yes, that's that's one example there. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have to guess, so you would know what somebody else is thinking mm-hmm. almost immediately, um, and and that would solve a lot of conflict because you could decide whether you were the, compatible or not. Yeah, the thing I like about widespread telepathy is that it kind of homogenises everything. Everybody knows what everybody is doing all the time, just like your worst possible village square, which means that we can all police one another in this great kind of panoptic manner. It's just like, <laughs> like and, we're, and we're going to have this ideal society coming about because we're always watching what everyone else is doing. That is how be- a telepathy will, will benefit humanity. Alright, so uh, let's introduce the police state. Uh, let's have a response. I have so many questions about that. <laughs> First of all, they've suggested that a dystopian future would benefit mm. humanity. That's <laughs> kind, of kind of the, the opposite yeah. of what a dystopian no, 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 future no, means. It depends, depends on your definition of benefit. <laughs> um, and dystopian future. Carrie's have the floor. Okay. Now, you said that a benefit uh, is that you'll know immediately if you're going to score on your Tinder date. One of the downsides is that you'll know immediately whether you're going to score on your Tinder date. And um, hope is such an important element <laughs> in humanity that to take that away, I think, would be crushing. I can't help thinking about the job losses, right? The entire spying profession <laughs> is out of a career. And, Erin, like, you yourself, as a university lecturer, why would anybody go to university for seven years when they could just find a smart person uh, and follow them around? Years. Ten, <laughs> ten years. Yeah, n- not, not when everyone has telepathy. Because you can just go find a smart person and just, like, mentally read what they're putting in their exam. You're not going to put in the work. No, but the whole system's going to fall over, basically. Yeah, and that's, that's the main thing, right? Deception, lies, these are the, these are the fluids the that raise the wheels. <laughs> the very building blocks. Society. 
All right, deception is both a, a fluid and a building Let's block. Let's not forget also <laughs> that men think about sex every seven seconds. Supposedly. Do you really want a part of that? That's going to get boring pretty fast. <laughs> Maybe not on our Tinder And dates. 30 seconds response. Let's go. I was just going to say that actually, you know, that, sh- that shared knowledge, knowing what the smartest person in the room knows, would actually benefit everybody. Everybody could then be a part of that and, and have a grip on that knowledge And too. with everybody knowing all that stuff, there is no deceit. There is no way that we can kind of be held up in these sorts of things. We'll just be this great, immense hive mind of humanity, like ploughing forward into this beautiful future in which no one has any autonomy. <laughs> <laughs> and response. I would say... Think about how many friendships you had that would survive everybody being able to think exactly what you think and know exactly what you think. How many friendships would you say to yourself could survive that process that you have? Yes. I mean, you've talked about a wonderful society where everyone knows what everyone else is thinking. It's here, and it's called Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) And final statements. I just just think the idea that that beneficial... Things for humanity don't necessarily have to benefit the individuals. We're here for the for the long run. If we all work together as a dystopian hive mind, we will be here <laughs> in 5,000, 10,000, 30,000 years. Wow. Knock, knock. Who's there? Oh, you already know. Telepathy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a round of applause for both of our teams. All righty. Jeffrey. What's our final score? Wait, wait. Uh, I don't know yet. (laughs) Do do we know the final score because of our fantastic telepathy? No, I'm just slow tonight. Right, so uh, in fact we're going to throw this one over to the audience. Do you believe that telepathy would benefit humanity? Or do you think that uh, knowing what everyone around you are thinking would be a nightmarish horror zone? All right, let's find out. If you believe in the benefits of telepathy, clap now. Yay! And Nightmarish Horror Zone. Oh, an unexpected surprise. <laughs> yes. Which is still possible. <laughs> and five points to uh, unfinished joke about carrier pigeons. Jeff, what is our final score? I'm double-checking my math, and I'm relatively <laughs> confident that this is probably correct. <laughs> These final scores are brought to you by Language. The only thing that separates us from things that don't speak our language. <laughs> Team Emic Team Face did well and scored a fantastic 20 points. But languishing ahead of them <laughs> with a fantastic second place first. <laughs> unfinished joke about carrier pigeons with 28 points. Woo! Woo! Thank you very much to both of our wonderful teams tonight. Sorry about those points, Sarah. You can have them back after. Put them in your bag. Does that have its own little fan fiction tag? I'll show it to you later. PWB, (laughs) points with benefits. (laughs) Um, And I would like to thank our sound man, Jeff, our sound technician, Jamie, our Orange Studios, and I would like to endorse the Nerd Degree. You can find us on iTunes, you can listen to us at nerddegree.com, or you can come down to Orange Studio, 7.30, the first Wednesday of every month in Christchurch. Thank you very much, and have a fantastic night.